How did Dixie State University get its name? What is DPMA? What services are offered in the pre-med advising office at Dixie State? And why is shifting the community focus to science and technology important? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Doug, pre-med and biology advisor at Dixie State University. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. So uh, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got a great guest today. Hello, Doug. Or Dr. Sansbury. How would you like to be addressed? Um, what Doug's stu- fine. Doug's fine. What do yeah. your students call you? Students always call me Doug. I always tell them, let's, let's just keep it formal. Call me Doug. It can be informal, I should say, actually. Okay, so I made the trek down here. I'm down at uh, um, Dixie State University, and Doug's the pre-med advisor. Yep. So uh, why? So let's pretend there's a high school student out there. Why should they come to Dixie State? Uh, we've got a lot of great things going on here at Dixie State now. Um, our new uh, VP of Academics, he's really focused in the healthcare side of, of a- academics. Um, he's really pushing our students to be able to do well in those fields. We know there's a lot of uh, job opportunities in those fields, and so he's putting a lot of support behind that. We've got a lot of new programs that we've got started with that. Uh, recently, we created a biomedical science emphasis degree, which is, for all intents and purposes, a pre-med degree. It meets all your requirements for, for med school and allows you to get a bachelor's degree here at Dixie and be able to meet those requirements without having to to look and make sure you're meeting all the, the boxes that you need to check off academically for, for med school. And it sounds like there's 9,000 students here? Yeah, we have roughly 9,000 students. Uh, probably um, in, so besides being a pre-med uh, advisor, I also advise all of our biology majors. And so majority of our biology majors are going into some type of healthcare field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably say roughly 100 students, if I were to talk to them now, would say they want to go med school. Okay. So when, you went to undergrad here, right? Correct. Uh, but it was a college back then. Yep. So talk about that. What, what, what happened that made it a university, and what have you noticed? So when I first actually started, it was Dixie College, so mm-hmm. it was a two-year uh, institution. And then we quickly um, – well, not we quickly, but it quickly moved over to a four-year program while I was there. And one of the first degrees that were offered was a biology degree, and that was kind of my – the area I wanted to go into, I originally wanted to go into like something with animals or whatnot. And then uh, my one of my favorite uh, professors, uh, Dr. David Jones, he taught um, genetics, and that kind of took over my life. And then after that, I I went to a microbiology course from Dr. Warner and got interested in, in viruses. And my uh, my wife's from South Africa, and I have a huge uh, interest in HIV, and so I did I didn't know of, that. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I did a lot of, so I have a lot of interest in HIV, and specifically people who are uh, resistant to HIV mm-hmm. with that Delta thirty two uh, mutation in the CCR five gene. Okay, cool. So you grew up in St. George. Yep. Okay, and then went to undergrad here, mm-hmm. and met your. Was your wife a student here? No, my wife. Uh, How'd so, you meet your wife? I was serving a mission in South Africa. So oh, yes. you converted her. Yeah, well, not necessarily. <laughs> Funniest story. Okay. Uh, I did my first baptism in South Africa was a girl with the same name as my wife. Okay. And so everyone thought that's that's uh, who I ended up, uh, you know, getting married to after uh, she came back. But no, it was she, her twin sister. Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, so it, it's. Uh, 
I'm trying to think of where we're talking about. Uh, uh, so I, the church, I don't think, yeah. frowns upon or <laughs> smiles upon missionaries dating and marrying people in the mission field. But if it happens, it's great, right? Yeah, if it happens, it's great. Do, we'll does go she have with a that. cool accent? For sure. She's got that nice uh, – It's you know, in South Africa, it's, a, it's more of a British accent. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because her brother and her brother just came and visited this weekend. She, he's staying for about a month, and uh, so usually most people say, "Man, you just sound like a regular Utah American," mm-hmm. uh, but now her accent is 100 percent on as her brother's here, and they keep talking in Zulu and and uh, she speaks Zulu. Yes. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Afrikaans or yeah, Afrikaans. Uh, they're, probably, they're probably several languages. Yeah. yeah. So in South Africa, you have uh, I think it's a nine official languages. Afrikaans is that Dutch German. Mm-hmm sounding language, mm-hmm. um, obviously English. And then Zulu is the largest spoken language there, um, mainly on the East Coast. So think of like Shaka Zulu, the famous um, warrior that okay. fought against the British. Okay. Um, so that's the that's the clan or the, the tribe that she's from. And mm-hmm. so she actually speaks uh, four of those languages. So Zulu, Afrikaans, well, obviously English, and uh, Hosa. Oh, can you say that one more time? Osa. Okay. <laughs> you say that really well. Thank did you. you learn to speak all those languages on your mission? Um, not necessarily. Most, uh, pretty much everyone there, English is either your first or second language. So mm-hmm. um, the church encourages students to, or missionaries to just teach in English. Okay. Um, but you obviously pick up uh, all the different dialects depending on what area you're, you're serving in. And, and it's, it's fun. Okay. So let's go back to Dixie State. That's yes. awesome. All right. So uh, do most students live on the dorm here? Did you live in the dorms? Like, what, What's student life like? Uh, it's a community campus mainly, but we're trying to change that. We just created a 150-student um, housing um, unit that went up. And our new uh, vice president of academics I was talking about before, he's really pushing to build about three or four more of those buildings so that we can be a more on-campus building. But for the most part, we're a community campus. Uh, we cater mainly more to the southern Utah area, and then probably uh, next would be other uh, northern Utah students. But recently, we've been reaching out a lot to uh, Southern Nevada and Southern California mm-hmm. as we provide a, a nice, uh, cheap alternative for education, especially in California when there's just not enough schools for their students. Would those students pay out-of-state tuition to come to undergrad here yep. at Dixie? Okay, They would, and if they have a certain um, uh, ACT score or mm-hmm. GPA, we give them usually like in-state tuition waivers, um, and so that's been very beneficial for those students. But even with our tuition plus room and board, it would be cheaper for them to come to Dixie State than it would be to stay in and go to an in-state school at, in, in California. So uh, you're seeing more and more non-Utahns. For sure. As, yeah. as the as the school grows, it sounds like. There's a lot of growth. That, it sounds like mm-hmm. a lot of it will be – because Utah is growing as a state, so a lot of it will be Utah's students, but also it sounds like a lot of out-of-staters as well. That is correct, yep. So in Salt Lake City, where I live, mm-hmm. uh, Wendover is known as kind of the getaway uh, <laughs> for different activities. So down here in Dixie, in St. George – uh, Las Vegas? How far away yeah. is Las Vegas? Is that so, where people go? To yeah, so Vegas, you're looking at an hour and a half drive. Okay. Um, if you don't want to go that, you could do the 45 minutes to Mesquite. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of students that will do that and go play bingo. Okay. Uh, for $4, you get to play bingo for two hours and get free drinks and mm-hmm. bingo with the elderly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All stuff that uh, undergrads love to do. Exactly, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely Vegas. You, uh-huh. we, we have a lot of students that do that. But we actually attract a lot of students that love the outdoors. Obviously, we have Zion. That's oh, yeah. only, How far away is Zion? Uh, about a 45-minute drive. Okay. Um, and then even just locally here, uh, we have Snow Canyon State Park, which is about five. 
10 minute drive from here. Mm-hmm. And then we had the Red Cliffs Desert Reserve where a lot of hiking, a lot of rock climbing, um, biking off uh, four wheel, off um, ATVs, all that fun stuff. So there's a lot of, and then uh, during the summer, we have our Sand Hollow and Quail Lake where students love to go out and boat and and uh, take out wave runners and stuff like that. So it's a very active lifestyle here at Dixie. In fact, our new tagline is active learning, mm-hmm. um, active life. Okay, cool. Very cool. And do you take advantage of those as well? Oh, for sure. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, that was... What's your favorite? Um, probably San Hollow. I uh, have friends with boats and, and wave runners. We go out and we'll do that. Uh, um, my kids love... my. So my... I have a six-year-old son who just loves dinosaurs, and we have the the dinosaur farm. Well, not dinosaur farm, but it's uh, real it's, life it dinosaurs. A, it's like Jurassic World, exactly. Okay. Uh, come down to Southern Utah and get to see it all. <laughs> right, um, the Velociraptors. So it's the it's the Johnson Farm where okay. they found a whole bunch of um, uh, imprints. In fact, they have the only. Uh, imprint of where they think a dinosaur sat down. So the first dinosaur butt imprint. Oh wow! Um, Do you know so, what kind of dinosaur? Uh, they don't know for sure. Okay. They do. Uh, so if you think of Jurassic Park, and we talked about that earlier, the, the Dilophosaurus is believed to make most of the prints mm. that are out there. But there's also a lot of smaller um, pteropods and stuff like that that they have out there okay. as well. All right. Well, Doug, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Yes. And this is a dangerous as an interviewer because I'm not sure what you're going to say. So Dixie State, where does the name come from? What are your thoughts about it? Because I know, I know up, up in Salt Lake, I, I read – articles in the newspaper and sometimes you know people are kind of yes. upset by the name and some people are very proud of the name so i'm just cu- kind of curious your thoughts and maybe a history lesson for people who don't know about it yeah so the when brigham young sent um uh, a group of pioneers to come down to to settle the the deserts of southern utah uh the the climate was perfect for growing cotton and at the time um you know with the civil war and stuff going on the the cotton wasn't very uh wasn't making its way out west. Wasn't Let's very profitable. That way. Exactly, yeah. and so um, so this became a, what they call the cotton mission, and they had um, you know pioneer families come down here and be able to start growing cotton, and with the warm climate and everything like that, they started calling it um, Utah's Dixie, mm. and uh, that kind of stuck. And we, if you're if you're here, they always talk about the the Dixie spirit, which is the idea of kind of a, a good community that's come together to to move things forward. So. Um, at first, uh, Dixie State started in 1911. It was actually um, the St. George Academy. And then eventually they, they created a, the Dixie Academy and the Dixie State, and or Dixie College and now Dixie State. And then lastly, we're at Dixie State University. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of interesting because I did do um, a master's degree over at Mississippi State. Interesting. Uh, you just love the rebels. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I remember talking to uh, one of my colleagues or my peers there and talking about all the the controversy, as uh, Jimmy Fallon would say, mm-hmm. um, about um, Dixie in Utah. And he was just thinking, that doesn't even make sense. How can they be fighting over something that really isn't Dixie? Like, mm-hmm. we can fight about it here because, you know, we have all the elements of what makes Dixie and what makes it controversial and mm-hmm. and everything. And, and uh, he just thought it was hilarious that we had this huge um, – this huge uprising. Brouhaha. Exactly. One of my favorite words. There you go. Okay. Um, between community members who wanted the Dixie name and the new people coming in that was like, it, nobody knows that St. George is Dixie outside of Utah. So mm-hmm. shouldn't we appeal to, you know, the broader spect of, of students outside of Because uh, if Utah. you're recruiting students from California. Exactly. They probably look at the Dixie State University and go, hmm, why yep. is it called that? So, yep. I am pretty sure this issue is not at rest. 
Mm-hmm. I think it'll flare up every once in a while. <laughs> For so, sure. Uh, let's move on. Okay. So uh, let's talk about DM. Uh, DPMA. Yes. What is that? What does it stand for? Talk- so DPMA stands for Dixie Pre-Medical Alliance. Uh, it's our pre-med club here at Dixie State. Uh, fairly new. It's partnership with Intermountain Dixie Regional Medical Center, hence Dixie Pre-Med Alliance. So Dixie Regional Medical Center, Dixie State University. So it's an alliance between these two institutions that share that Dixie name. And the idea was to, prior- to provide an opportunity for students to meet all the requirements needed for uh, MD medical schools and, and PhD biomedical research programs. And so with the help from the, the hospital here, uh, Dixie Region Medical Center, our students are able to engage in uh, internship at the hospital where they get to do patient rounding, they get to do uh, physician shadowing. Um, we also have a kind of a third partner in this, which is Stanford University, which is kind of interesting. Interesting. In Stanford fact, out in California. Exactly. Uh, in fact, the building that we're in right now, there's a lab uh, if you, I don't know if you saw it when you walked in that says Stanford University Lab. Yeah, um, it was very cool. Like, I can literally see the lab and going back to Jurassic Park. I mean, people are wearing the white lab coats and they're yes. running experiments and I can just watch them do this. Yeah. Exactly. And so this is a great opportunity we have uh, with Stanford University. We get to send students, uh, two to three students every summer to do uh, cancer research up at Stanford University. And that's another. And is their housing paid for and all that? Yep. It's, okay. So they get a they get a stipend, hmm. which includes their, their accommodation. Um, uh, travel in there, and then we give them a three thousand five hundred bucks to you know kind of help them. Wow, help them. You know, it doesn't go very far as you probably know. Palo Alto, that's where you did your yeah, undergrad, that's, right? Yeah, uh, that's probably I'll get you lunch. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so it must be pretty competitive. Like, so how many students a year? So uh, the first two years we did two students. Okay. Um, this last year we did three, and right. we're. We're in the process of interviewing students right now, so we're guaranteeing two will go. Uh, but if so we have we're a third talking can- sophomores, juniors, or uh, juniors usually. Okay. Um, sometimes we'll get a senior that you know, kind of a not to say super senior, but a senior that has another uh, fall semester to go and be able to get in on this. But it's it's been pretty nice. The the first students that did it, one went to. Ohio State University to do a PhD in biochemistry, mm. and the other one um, went to. P- uh, to University of Arizona to a PhD in cancer biology and so on. and then the the past students are all now either applying to PhD schools or biomed or medical schools this this current cycle. That's amazing. That's awesome, yeah. Doug. So so yeah, it sounds like um, you provide a lot of opportunity for the students in the pre med mm-hmm. alliance. It sounds like a lot of research opportunities. Yep. So, and then it sounds like your office, you, you do practice interviews and what, yeah. what kind of services? Yeah, we do, do all the kind of traditional things you find under a pre-med program. We have organized community service projects that students can jump in on. Uh, one of our most notable ones is our special needs sports weekend. So every month we uh, teach a new type of sport to uh, citizens that have special needs here in our community. Mm. And they just love it. So in the past, we've actually had um, a couple past students who uh, now play for Major League Baseball that have come back and did some baseball things. Oh, who's um, that? Uh, so I got to think of their names. Okay. So one of them, uh, one of them's named Buddy. I can't even, uh, I can't even think Sorry, of his last name. Sorry, put you on the spot. Yeah, seriously, right? Well, who does he play for? <laughs> um, so he, he was playing for um, Milwaukee, and I think he recently got traded to one of the Florida teams. I want to say Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, and, you know, going up through their minor league systems and, has, you know, has played on their – I think on their professional teams as well. So it's, it's been kind of fun. We did that, and uh, we we do golf with them, and mm. we've done basketball and and had um, and soccer, and have some of this, the collegiate athletes come out and help out with that. So that's been a kind of a nice, fun thing. We actually have a Facebook page on it where you can go. So it's just a special needs sports weekend, 
and kind of see all the different activities that get mm-hmm. involved. So we have those types of things. Um, we also, like I said, doing the, the, the mock interviews. So we will do the MMIs. We even actually had uh, Dr. Evelyn Gopez from University of Utah come down and do mock interviews with our students once, and it was a good, a good experience for them. And uh, and then we've also um, we also uh, invite uh, other admissions officers um, to come. We actually had. You mean you just didn't do this nice lunch just for me? Yeah, well, sounds I mean, like everyone gets. The I mean, treatment. yeah, 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 definitely we did. Okay. but we also did for some other people too. No. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, and sometimes we'll, we'll we'll take those missions officers out to like Zion and, sh- and kind of show them the beauty of Southern Utah and just mm-hmm. allow the students to to kind of relax and be able to have a more one on one conversation um, with with these mission officers so they kind of get a better idea of, of what it is they need to to do to be the best not only uh, a candidate um, for medical school but to be the best uh, physician as they move forward mm-hmm. through this whole process. You know, it's, it's really true, Doug. I like how you said it. Like I think. Um, it's important for applicants to put their best foot forward to show people who they are. I, I know that can be very difficult. Um, you know, in the application process, you have a finite amount of space mm-hmm. to write your personal statements or to describe your activities. You have a finite amount of time on your interview day to talk about yourself or talk about your activities. So I think it's great that you provide these services, these opportunities for the students to reach out. And I know like there's an intense need. That's what I picked up on because like St. George, it's a growing, vibrant community. Um, They're going to need more doctors. Uh, Everyone needs more doctors, especially, you know, St. George area. And I think the goal is to have a lot of these students return back home. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, there's, if you're in the southern Utah or St. George area, you can see we've got a bunch of skeletons going up by our um, by our, our hospital here, and it's because they're doubling the hospital in size. Mm-hmm. And that's all supposed to be done by 2018. And guess what? They need physicians to, to fill those spots. And obviously that's that's one of the main goals for um, from Intermountain here is this is part of their recruiting process, that if they can find good students that already love St. George, that can get that Dixie spirit that we talked about a little bit mm-hmm. earlier inside them, then if they go do, you know, MD at University of Utah or, or somewhere else, that, um, you know, they can draw them back in because they know that they've been, they've gone through a good experience. Um, you know, obviously University of Utah is a great medical school, and, and if they can go to other great medical schools and bring back that that experience they've learned from there or wherever they do their residency, you know, really build this community to be more of, you know, in the past we've been more focused on our tourism and, and our retirement communities, but the the new goal of this community is to be more focused in, in the sciences and, and technology. Awesome. Well, Doug, uh, doing a great job. We've got a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you get into pre-med advising? Because I don't think anyone grows up like, oh, I want to advise <laughs> pre-med students. I want to help them get into med school. That is now that is the question, right? Because if if you would have told me this uh, a few years back, I'd be like, no, I'd either be in Africa, you know, working on a game farm like my mm-hmm. original plan was, or then working with HIV as I came interested in that. But um, as I as I an opportunity for me to to work here at Dixie State um, opened up, I was first uh, just adjunct teaching for for the university, and then a spot opened up in their uh, biology advising. And at that time, there was no um, there was no personnel on Dixie State that worked for Dixie State that advised any of our pre professional students, and it was a big it was a big glaring hole in our advising. Mm-hmm. And um, our academic advisor director asked me if that's something that that would be interesting to me, since a lot of our biology students tend to go somewhere in the medical field. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, and I said, sure. And I remember going to a lot of, uh, you know, hanging out with a lot of my friends that did end up going to medical school or dental school or whatnot. And I kept thinking to myself, they were crazy because why would you want to study that hard and do that, do all those things where, you know, I'm studying less half as they are. I'm not, you know, getting, I'm getting, still getting a good GPA, but I'm not uh, worried about an MCAT or a DAT or something. And, and I always thought they were crazy. And, and, uh, but as I, if I now as a pre-med advisor and, and taking on that role and, and talking to these students, I realize with a lot of them, there is a, another thing that's driving them. And it's mm-hmm. that, that chance to be able to, to help somebody and, you know, everyone says they always want to help somebody. That's why they want to go to med school. But, you know, you can see those those special students that are spending the extra time at the volunteer clinic that are going out of their way, doing extra community hours. And you really think, man, if that if that was my physician, I would love that person as my physician. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've kind of almost gone 180 where I, back in the day, just didn't, you know, why would you want to go to med school or why would you want to go work in any type of the medical field to now – I'm, I'm searching for those students that meet, meet those characteristics that would make a great physician and say, hey, have you ever thought about it this way? Or those that are and saying, hey, you should really look at um, developing some of these, these what they call soft skills, that really are what's going to make the next um, you know, level of physician be the, the great physician that will help heal our country. All right. Well, that's awesome, Doug. One last question. Mm-hmm. What's, your most, what's the most common question you get? And what do you say? I mean, you've done this for a while now. Yeah. You've interacted with many different types of students over the years. There must be certain questions that you get asked a lot. And what's your what's your response to that? So usually it's uh, how good should my GPA really be? Um, what score do I have to get on the MCAT? And um, did you and, ever just go four point oh and five twenty eight <laughs> all the time? Yeah. And if you can't meet that, you know, you can always be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And sue doctors. Exactly. Yeah. Medical malpractice, <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, it's, it's – I think the one that – you know, those, I think those are the most because most people, when they think of a doctor, they think you must be the smartest person. And so those are the two things that, mm-hmm. that equate to that. Um, but I think more recently the trend has been the question of what else do I have to do? Mm-hmm. And I think that's – to me that's when, you know, a little light bulb goes off my head and I go, okay – this student sees that this is something else that there's there a physician isn't just his gpa and his mcat score but there's got to be something else and that's the question I, i'm hoping to hear more of in the future as well yeah I, I agree with that completely doug i think there's a lot i mean i medical school there's a lot of emphasis on academics and tests and i get that mm-hmm. but at the end of the day all medical schools we can fill it up with people with really high mcats and gpas and again, that is important. Yes. But we're, what really sets people apart is excellent communication skills, teamwork, professionalism, empathy, those type of things we want to see in, your doc- in our doctors, like you said. So I'm glad you're down here kind of helping the students get ready for that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing what we can, and we encourage all to come down to the sunshine uh, here at St. George and, and uh, you know get out of that cold if you're from northern Utah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. Yep, no problem. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.